0: Welcome to our Dermaviduals podcast series, The Business of Skin. Now, I met Michelle Chevalier-Hedge through talks hosted over the years on nutrition, health and wellness. And from the very moment that I met Michelle, I thought, wow, this woman has really lived and breathed the corporate lifestyle and she's going to get my life so well. (laughs) Um, So, of course, we stayed in touch and Michelle has since presented on a number of symposiums um, and been on panels with us to talk all things skin and health and gut. Um, And um, Michelle, I'm in absolute awe of your amazing journey from marketing manager at Microsoft to impacting the world, educating on all things health and well-being, especially for the busy person, and just your understanding of the modern day demands when it comes to families and corporate life. Michelle, can you brief us on how and why your journey started for you?
1: Yeah, sure. First of all, Rekha, let me thank you for being here. Um, You might be sorry you asked me to be here because you know I can talk underwater about nutrition and well-being. And I am particularly passionate about women. Um, And I know your women and I know the women that would be listening to this podcast. And um, my hope is that I'm always able to add value to people's lives. And the women who are listening to this podcast, they are very, very good at nourishing their businesses, their families, their partners, their parents, their dogs, but they're not so good at nourishing themselves. I think they're especially good at nourishing their dogs. Exactly. Or their so, um, so, no, absolutely pleased to be here. It's a privilege. And yes, I uh, became a nutritional medicine practitioner after working in the corporate world, and I think, I think one of the successes to our business is really understanding the needs of the time poor person who lives in the real world with real food, with, you know, with dogs, with laundry, with messy kitchens, because there's a lot of Instagrammers and there's a lot of, um, people in this space that are celebrity like, right. Mm. And, Maybe don't really understand what it's like to be have sleep deprivation, have no time to exercise, worrying about the mortgage, um, having massive cortisol, roller coaster, eating grab-and-go foods. I get all that because I was that person. I was caught in that vortex for many years.
0: And I think sleep deprivation is so key and it's something that I'd like to deep dive a bit more mm. into because so many people I know um, that are affected by the sleep deprivation side of things. But I, I guess you truly understand the needs of time-poor corporate executives, don't you? We're always searching for healthy ways. Our families want health without the hassle. And I love that you're often introduced as the modern-day nutritionist <laughs> because you do like a bit of wine mm. and coffee. So welcome to my life. Yes. <laughs> How do you suggest we start this change? Okay, first of all, let me just say,
1: when I was first introduced as the nutritionist who likes a bit of wine and coffee, I had no idea that they were going to introduce me that way. Now, this is on Channel 7 and on a Sunrise program. So, you know, here I am amongst all the other dietitians and nutritionists who are, you know, very wholesome. And then I'm introduced that way and I just wanted to like skulk away. And then I was like, you know what? I just need to be authentic and own that space because... I never believed in extremes anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice sort of to be known known that way. And um, so our philosophy is that we hope that we can help educate people on how to use micro habits or micro changes that will impact in terms of what they're eating, that will impact the way they sleep, And then the way they exercise, because we all know if we're sleeping well, we tend to exercise well, we tend to think well, and therefore we tend to eat well. So each of those, what I call a four prong approach, sleep, exercise, nutrition, and stress hacks, eat every one of those pillars affects all the other pillars, it right. Sure does. So I think once you can get one somewhat right, I'm not. We're never looking for a, a perfect um, uh, nutrition, right? We're looking for um, good enough, good enough, because there's always many layers of good health. And what happens is, when people start to take the journey, they'll go, mm, "This is kind of feeling easy. This is." kind of tasty. This is easy. This doesn't feel like it's deprivation. I can do this again tomorrow. Hey, this is pretty easy. I can do this again tomorrow. And then all of a sudden a week goes by and they go, Hey, people on the road are nicer to me today. And I go, well, actually, it's not the people on the road that are nicer to you. It's you are being, being nicer better. to yourself because you're sleeping better. You're feeling better. You're moving more and your self-esteem is feeling better. And it's the knock-on effect. It's that, it's that butterfly effect that, that truly n-
0: nutritional transformation can give somebody. It's the sum of all the tiny little changes that you can make that can have a really great impact, isn't it? Absolutely. And
1: I think what what happens is that you do one thing, and then a couple of weeks later, you're willing to add something else on. And then you can add something else on. And then a year goes by, and you kind of like have developed six or seven habits that you don't really want to compromise on anymore because you know all of a sudden you've become this purpose this person with a bit of pep a bit of vitality and you start to connect your own dots on what makes you hum along with true well-being
0: Mm, absolutely and um with that true well-being why has nutritional research become so much of a passion of yours Mm. Um, well,
1: I was always interested in medicine. Um, and I thought that I would go on to be a GP, which I still might, I will definitely do a PhD at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't, I still think about becoming a GP. Um, so I was always fascinated in that space. And then I come from an Italian family, Reagan. My world is about food and it always has been since the moment I've been born. So my mom has six sisters. We call them the Ciccarello mafia. Yeah. So every (laughs) single, thing in my life has been always around food, you know, whether it's a christening, whether it's a death, if it's a sickness, it's chicken soup, you know, it doesn't matter. Everything is based around food. So, um, when I had three young children and I was traveling relentlessly and working relentlessly and thought, you know, I'm going to jump off this treadmill. I actually needed to jump off the treadmill of working because had I stayed on that, um, Reika, I probably would have ended up um, with some severe addictions, whether that would have been to food or to alcohol. Um, but instead I turned all of my crazy addictions into, and my passion, like I like to be purposeful. I turned it into studying and I thought, Oh, let me just take this one nutritional medicine course. And I took that medicine course and I went, I don't need to study medicine. This is just a perfectly placed career for me, because I could see 15, well, it was about 17 years ago now, that nutrition was going to start to come into the spotlight and amalgamate with modern day um, medicine, because the the rate of diseases is so alarming um, in the last 15 years that we need to start thinking about preventative wellness. And that's what food can give us and, and lifestyle can give us is a way to prevent some of these disease processes, particularly if there's a genetic predisposition for things, and be saying, okay, I'm always going to stay one step ahead of the curve.
0: Well, it's so interesting to look mm. at it like that way, isn't it? You frequently, Michelle, talk about evidence-based strategies around the gut and its microbiome. Um, and most of us have heard of the gut-brain connection and the link between what we eat and how that presents on the skin. Um, we often delve into that, and but it's the association with anxiety and depression and how to minimise the risk factors associated with that. And I guess overall, as you were saying, what we feed our gut is imperative to our invisible wellness bubble that surrounds us, as well as our immune system. So can we talk a bit here, a bit more about how this also affects our skin and how our gut can contribute to underlying skin conditions. Mm, Absolutely. Well, first, let me begin with regard
1: to the research around gut health and um, anxiety, depression, and mood disorders. We're just at the beginning of that research right now, Reka. So um, as you would know, I dedicate um, some of the proceeds of my books to Deakin University, to the Food and Mood Center. Mm-hmm. It is the first research center in the world that looks at um, randomized controlled trials, the gold standard studies on what we call... Called nutritional psychiatry, which I find completely fascinating,
0: mm. and Deacon are pioneering Indeed, yeah. like in the
1: world in these studies, aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. So we're just beginning to scratch the surface on that, but there's there's very good evidence that talks about um, the relationship between gut health and anxiety, depression, and mood disorders. So let's just start from a very basic, um, just layman's kind of conversation. It is our gut where we create the majority of our serotonin, which is our happy hormone. So years ago, people would go, oh, serotonin, they would touch their heads, right? And people would believe, oh, the serotonin is all made in our brain. Well, what we know now to be true that 85% of our serotonin is made in our gut. So just intuitively, doesn't it make sense if we clean up this gut by eating whole real food with antioxidants, with nutrients, with enzymes, with fiber, we put ourselves in a situation to maximize the amount of serotonin our body can create. I just think that that's fascinating. Then then to, to back that up, we've got Felice Jacka's... Um, randomized controlled trial, which is called the SMILES trial, aptly named the SMILES trial, which is the first randomized trial in the world that concludes that underpinning your diet with real whole food has a direct implication on modifying the risk factors around depression, which is fabulous news because we know one out of six people here in Australia are suffering in that space that space of mental health is multifactorial. Many reasons. They're all silent and scary. But if we can underpin our well-being, 1%, 2%, 3% with our fork, that's Awesome, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so 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 then let's let's segue on to, to the other things around the gut, right? So the gut not only is about our serotonin, but also it's about where our immune system lies. So, really, really important to be considering our gut health, particularly as we're in this COVID state of ours. And as we can see, we sort of thought we were flattening out and now we're climbing again. So, really, really being more present than ever about our immune system and our gut lies, um, our our immune system lies just millimeters below the gut surface. So really important, again, to be feeding that gut real whole foods and not getting it clogged up and creating what we call something like dysbiosis. Now, this will lead into the conversation about skin health, right? Mm. So it's when we create dysbiosis through eating processed foods, trans fats, added sugars, when we create this thing called dysbiosis, which appears like IBS like symptoms. So just think burping, farting, constipation, diarrhea, uh, um, you know, random abdominal pains. People that are suffering with these types of digestive disorders, right? One, their energy is completely zapped, but what they don't realize is they most of them would have some form of type of candida or thrush or what we call SIBO, small intestinal. Bowel overgrowth, right? And this is just purely from poor food choices. Sometimes it can be from um, excess antibiotics. It also can be um, attributed to the hormonal pill, believe it or not, Mm. right? So we can create this disruption in the gut, right? When we create this disruption in the gut, this is when we see things like rosacea right? So people who are getting a lot of rosacea, they need to be thinking about what is going on with their gut. Do they need to pare back their diet? Do they actually even need to add supplements, which I'm not a big fan of supplements, but sometimes there's a time and a place for that, but they need to be healing their gut. Um, So that they can get the effect that they need from rosacea. Rosacea is often a candida dysbiosis kind of thing going on. And the other thing that we see, of course, is acne or um, you know skin that isn't looking healthy and glowing. Again, what 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 is the state of your gut? Has it been abused? Does it need some time just to heal? And. When I talk about removing some foods that could possibly be irritating, like a gluten or a dairy, you know, when I say that to people, I go, oh, and I go, sometimes removing these irritants is just for a short time, just to give your gut a go, oh, well, thank you so much. I'm not constantly feeling that banging or that irritation. Wow. You've let me sit and rest for four weeks. And then sometimes what we say is the dose, the the poison is in the dose, that people can take back some of these foods that might've been irritating their gut and their skin and happily live and not have the irritation. So I don't like people to think, oh, wow, like Michelle's going to be talking about paring back some things.
0: Sometimes those things are paring back just for a time and a place. Mm, of course. Goodness, I just love talking to you. I think I'm changing my Friday night dinner plans tonight. And uh, I'm going to have a happy weekend <laughs> as a result, aren't I? <laughs> well, I think this is the thing,
1: Rekha. You know, recently it's been interesting. I love doing podcasts because people ask me such interesting questions. And in the last six months, this question that's come up several times is, wow, Michelle, you make nutrition sound so easy. Why aren't more people doing this? Exactly. Right. And you know what I think? And I've had some deep thoughts around this. It's because people think that changing their diet or modifying their diet is so hard. Mm. And I think that's because the media, journalists, some form of fad diets have made. Us believe that to be true. I mean, certainly, when I was at Microsoft, I was on every fad diet there was there to be had. Every mm-hmm. fad diet, right? Mm-hmm. It's fad diets that won't work. What works is making these small changes, still eating abundantly and and having happy, tasty food. Because I don't want anybody to eat boring food. But it's just a different way around it. So I think people's mindset is, oh, gee, making this shift is going to be hard. I'm going to be in deprivation. I don't want that. I don't want to chew my fingers off. You know, you don't have to do any of that. You can still do all this and have coffee and wine. It's not perfect. But what in life is perfect? Just get yourself to a space where all of a sudden you go, hey... My energy's coming back. My vitality's coming back. Whoa, I was on locked on today at that meeting. I feel like my strategic's thinking, wow, I feel really more creative today. But hey, how about this, Reka, for an idea? How about doing all this during the day that we need to do as small business owners? And at 5.30 at night, coming back to our families and still having enough in our tank of being able to be connected to the people we love. Like
0: wow, that's for true well-being, right? Absolutely, and you certainly know a lot about that because you are in in um, incredibly a best-selling author, and and you've written quite a few books now, haven't you? Um, the your first book, uh, "Beating Sugar Addiction for Dummies," mm. um, "Eat, Drink, and Still Shrink," which I just love um, the title <laughs> of that. <laughs> just just to think that you can do that—that that was um, only released last year. Yes. Um, but of course, my favorite book that you've that you've written is the Healthy Hormone Diet. And and that's actually still on the top-selling um, book list globally, isn't it? Yes.
1: And, you know, Rick, it's interesting because um, I I just got the list from, um, you know, the top books published, and I was really thinking that Eat, Drink, and Still Shrink would have outsell, um the healthy hormone diet. Uh, but, no, the healthy hormone diet is still really way up there, and I think – It is because I don't think that people have realized in the past the connection between hormones, and I'm talking about all of our hormones from cortisol to thyroid to insulin to our sex hormones, the impact that it can play on our weight and our energy and our moods. So, so often people are beating themselves up. Oh, I'm eating poorly, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing this, and I go, no, hashtag no guilt, no beating yourself up. Let's see if your hormones are creating this havoc and It's not necessarily what you're eating because when your hormones start to get out of whack, you can be the person who eats bird food and still has a very, very hard time losing weight because your hormones have shifted. We just need to pull them back in line. So in that book, I share eight different case studies of real people that went on roadshow with me when I released the book and went on TV and said, this was extraordinary, you know. I didn't realize my harm my thyroid was out until Michelle persisted and persisted and persisted to say, you know, you need to get this checked even further. And boom, you know, we'd find out some underlying causes. So, um, so yeah, I, I loved writing that book because I loved I loved seeing real people change their lives. And when other people hear real people changing their lives in simple ways, they go, "Oh, I want to read that book too." Yeah,
0: such it's so incredible to think that you can do that through food you mentioned before that you're not a great fan of supplements sometimes they have their place Mm. Um, but often I think we do turn to you know for hormones and things like that to supplements why aren't you such a great fan of the supplements
1: well well, I definitely believe that there's a time and a place for supplements, right? And I'll tell you the supplements that I like best in a moment, but I always like people to try to get their nutrients through food because when we take our nutrients through food, that's when it's most bioavailable. So if our gut is in a good state, we're able to absorb and assimilate those nutrients really well. Whereas just intuitively think about this if we're taking a supplement most of the time it's in a pill form that pill has been bound by an excipient and it needs to be broken apart and then assimilated in our body right so mm-hmm. if you are taking a supplement definitely be thinking about always taking that supplement in powdered form um, but definitely supplements that in particularly for skin health um i'm talking about right now um I would recommend, um, I, I love probiotic foods and prebiotic foods for gut health, but there's a time and a place for hormonal acne or insulin induced acne, as well as rosacea, as well as eczema, right? It's, again, it's focusing a bit on skin, where a good quality probiotic is important.
0: Mm. Okay. Thanks, Michelle. Um, You, you overall, your, your approach is just so sensible in, in everything that you're saying here. Um, You spoke earlier about, you know, being yourself through every, every jargon, every, every fad that there was. Um, But um, how do you educate people that fads are not sustainable, nor are they supportive to healthy living, healthy gut and healthy skin?
1: Well, I think, um, most women, what is it? Uh, what's the percentage? I just did a story for the telegraph, something like, um, 64% of women before the age of 30 would have tried several fat, fat diets. Right. And I believe that if you again, surveyed them, they would all say, they, they probably would have worked for a week or two weeks or a month, and then they rebounded and they actually ended up gaining more weight than they lost, right? Because often it will put somebody in restriction and, um, and that's fine. And people go along, but no one really likes to live in restriction. But I think we're all wise enough in the year 2020 to know that them themselves or people that they know just go on these types of things and yo-yo and yo-yo and yo-yo. And we've been in practice now for 15 years and we've seen some really stubborn weight loss. It is not until you give people a whole food diet, you balance their blood sugar, you drop their inflammation And you make tiny changes. I never want any of our clients to lose more than half a kilo a week. But sometimes in the beginning, just by coming off gluten and dairy, sometimes in in eating abundantly, just simply... moving off of gluten and dairy if they have a bit of intolerance to that they'll come in and they'll have lost three kilos and you're like what have you done have you starved yourself all week and they go no never ate more food in my life cannot believe i've lost three kilos so we always that we see that happen but we prefer in our clinical practice that nobody loses more than a half a kilo a week mm-hmm. slow and steady and people go wow this is painless this is so doable slow I can't steady wins the race, huh? yeah <laughs> Yeah. And Reika, and, and it's the same for my own personal story. Yeah. When I worked at Microsoft, my weight fluctuated unbelievably. I mean, I show slides of me being a size 10 and a size 18. You know, my weight was just all over the place my moods, my sleep, uh, my cognitive function, my ability to connect with my clients and my customers. It was just, you know, I was the constant grab and go eater, or I was the, the perfect type A female climbing the corporate ladder, living off of, you know, triple shot lattes during the day, couple of grab and go foods, healthy looking foods that were filled with an abundance of added sugar. So my mood and my energy was going coastering all the time. I'd put the kids to bed at night, and what would I do? Oh, I'd grab two healthy yogurts. Well, it's about those, those hidden
0: sugars, isn't it? exactly
1: mm-hmm. so, and then I'd get into bed and I was tired, but wired
0: mm-hmm. and I'm
1: sure many people listening to this podcast can relate to that, you know, and again, this conversation isn't about having guilt or beating yourself up in the past. it's about how do we move forward and be the best version of ourselves
0: absolutely um, so just going back on on that whole sort of I guess managing the stress our sleep and the well-being um and the gut health and the effect that that has not only on our potential weight gain but also with our skin why is there so much emphasis on on the importance of of the sleep and and the well-being Okay. So, so here's the thing
1: about sleep that I think a lot of people don't know. Intuitively, we all know if we're not sleeping well, we're crankier, we're not thinking really well, but there's a couple of other things that are going on beneath the surface that I think it's worth discussing right now. One is the World Health Organization actually has classified night shift workers, a carcinogenic activity. Wow. I'll stop on that and I'll Mm. repeat this. The World Health Organization has classified night shift workers, a carcinogenic activity. Why? Because the importance of sleep is so important on our biochemistry, our levels of inflammation, our levels of cortisol, and how it impacts our insulin, that they believe that lack of sleep is actually one of the risk factors for cancer. If that is not enough for all of us to start to prioritize sleep, So sleep is affected by the amount of stress and monkey chatter that's happening, but also about how we feed ourselves through the days, through the day. So particularly those grab and go foods, those added sugars, when we move to a higher protein diet, we get protein, we get tryptophan, tryptophan breaks down to melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. Boom, we're winning there in that space, right? But the other thing is about stress and what we're thinking and what we're doing, and what's our perceived stress, and how that is affecting our body. That perceived stress can create such insulin havoc, which can feed into hormonal acne, which can feed into weight gain. So stay with me on this. Someone could be a perfect eater, right? But a massive stress head. So perfect eater, their glucose is good, their insulin is good. But if they're stress heads, and a lot of us women are very good at having this, you know, paddling underneath the surface and outwardly, we look like we're cool as a cucumber, but underneath we're paddling all the time, you know, we're thinking our mind is going right that type of stress. I think is one of the worst things that could be happening to our well-being, right? So what what is happening there is that stress sets off an alarm to the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands send up a flag and go, hey, cortisol, start rising. So the cortisol is rising in our body. Well, the cortisol pumps out glucose. Right? Immediately, because this is what we needed glucose. If we were, you know, thousands of years ago and there was a saber-toothed tiger coming mm-hmm. at us, we needed the sugar and the glucose to harness, right? There's no saber-toothed tiger anymore. This perceived stress is rolling in our heads from the time we wake up in the morning till the time we go to bed. Sometimes it's very real, but sometimes we manifest more and more stress ourselves, right? So think about this. You can be a really good eater, good glucose, good insulin. Your stress can be making you insulin resistance or having insulin dysfunction, which is a feeder into acne, skin, mm. uh, weight, weight resistance,
0: weight gain. Certainly so food for thought. Oh, definitely. And something I think that so many of us can relate to. And when things aren't working, we just can't work it out. We look back and we go have to look broader at those other factors. Yes. For sure. I always use this example,
1: Rekha, which I remember one of my professors saying this example, and I didn't believe it, but I know now this to be true. And this was me. This is why it's always stayed in my mind. If you are the person that goes away on holidays and you maybe eat a little bit more or drink a little bit more than you normally would at home, but you come back from the holiday and you think that you have actually going to gain a little bit of weight, but you've actually stayed the same or lost weight, you need to be thinking about you are the cortisol addict. Because once your cortisol starts to come down and your body isn't on high alert and your body relaxes, your weight Oh,
0: I'm going on holiday. <laughs> Not at the moment. But isn't that, but isn't that so interesting? Yeah, yeah, mm. really, I've never thought about that. Um, now, let's let's talk about one, uh, one of the conferences that you're invited to present on a on a world stage at it was the happiness and its causes conference. Um, and Uh, this fascinates me because I would love to meet the Dalai Lama Mm. and you sat alongside the Dalai Lama and presented on vitality energy and serotonin my goodness sitting next to the Dalai Lama that must have been oh it was
1: extraordinary
0: (laughs) yeah and uh talking about how how it all is in your food I believe you have a funny skin routine story (laughs) that that we skin nerds could perhaps relate to um do do share
1: Oh, yes. I love sharing this story because, you know, you when you hear stories like this, you know sometimes when they're real and when they're not real and stuff and you can't make this kind of stuff up. So um, I had always, I'm deeply passionate about research and hormones, right? So I'd always been looking at, and mental health. So I'd always been looking at um, food and mood. This is even before Deakin University even had the Food and Mood Center. And, um, so this is five and a half years ago. And I was actually in New York, um, having a very bad day in New York. I had my, my brother was very, very ill and uh, he was going to pass away. And I get this obscure phone call. It's like 11 o'clock at night. And it's from this woman, Beth, who runs this um conference happiness as its causes. Michelle would you like to speak on energy vitality and serotonin? Well now I think all my dreams have come true. I'm going to speak on the world stage um at this conference the Dalai Lama is the keynote he's going to be um, introducing me I get to sit amongst him and all the monks and, 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 and amazing speakers right Michael yeah. Mosley I mean amazing speakers mm-hmm. but he, so I then concentrate for the next um, six months and I craft the most wonderful keynote right and I have to hit every point I have to I have to talk about the chemistry but in layman's terms I have to make it funny but intellectual and I am on fire I mean God my, I was so thrilled to be able to do this, and um, so uh, so the morning of the event, I get up, I make sure my three kids are going to safely get to school. I do the laundry, I feed the dog. It's four o'clock in the morning. I'm getting ready. Um, take off and get to Luna Park. I get up on stage. I do my speaking engagement. I get off stage and I sit down and I'm like a Jack Russell. My heart is pounding. I'm like, I was so, I was happy. I knew that I had, I I knew that I got it. Mm -hmm. And my friend comes over from the news and she goes, um, Michelle, that was so good, but what's going on? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, up there on those stages, like, you know, those big screens behind you. Your face is really, really shiny. And I go, it's shiny. she was really shiny. And I put my hands to my face and I realized at four o'clock in the morning, I put a clear facial mask on, but I forgot to take it off. Oh, no. So there I was on the stage and it had dried. But then when I got on the stage, the hot lights started to melt it. And I have photos. I mean, I wish I could share them with, well, you can put yeah. it up, up with the podcast. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous, right? So, so, but it's, it's a great story to share because I use that story now in a lot of my speaking engagements to say it's a perfect segue to talk about how, I am so imperfect and nutrition can be so imperfect and we're not looking for perfection. It's okay to be good enough to meet you where your life is because there's many good stages of well-being. Just dip your toe into the water and make one change. Maybe it's more hydration. Maybe it's not having any packaged foods that week. Maybe it's increasing your protein to three, three times a day. Maybe it's introducing probiotic foods and prebiotic foods. Meet nutrition mm-hmm. where you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then take it the next step and then take it the next step.
0: Well, maybe your next step could be taking me as your dermavidual <laughs> skincare expert next time you have to talk next to the Dalai Lama. Yes, And I could make sure that that's not going to happen again. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. That was so funny. Absolutely. Um, Michelle, we do share a common goal, um, and and that's all about helping people to live well. Uh, At Dermaviduals, we're focused on the health of our skin, and this, for many of us, um, has such an impact on our lives. Mm. Right now we're at the pinnacle of the health and wellness movement, wouldn't you say? Why is self-care and self-love so important?
1: Oh, that's such a big question, Regan, but such an important question because, again, I think we all intuitively know this, but it's not until you stop and take a pause and maybe hear it again for the 30th time, you know, whatever it might be that it is not until we truly feel okay. I'm talking about self-like, not self-love, but self-like about ourselves that we can truly be more abundant to the people around us, to our work life, as well as our home life. So, you know, people always say, oh, you're talking about, you know, being indulgent about yourself, really looking after yourself. That's a bit of an indulgence. That's a bit of a luxury. No, it's a necessity. It's such a necessity to be well in the mind, the brain, in the emotional heart and the physical body for us to do the best that we can at our businesses and to connect to the world and to connect with our loved ones. But I think this pause with COVID, um, And for many of us, it's been a pause, has made us um, connect more to the things that are important to us. I
0: think some people don't want to come out of isolation, do they? Because they love that connection that that has been fostered.
1: Yes. And and I want people to get curious around a time when they can reflect on a time when they really felt poorly or they've watched somebody feel poorly. That's a scary place to be, mm. and you can't buy your health back. You know, in 1990, I came here not 30 years ago to Australia and working for Microsoft. I got to work with Steve Jobs. All the money in the world, you cannot buy your health back. Mm. And so, I, I really encourage people by just taking these small measures to to get back to self. Like, how many women? don't like themselves. You know, and it, men. Oh, and men. True. Mm-hmm. It's true. But so, I, I guess I'm surrounded by so many women, although our practice is as much men as it is women, I, maybe men are good at hiding it. But personally for me, I share in the story, eat, drink, and still shrink, my personal journey when I was working at Microsoft, right? And so the day came, What, what was the catalyst for me moving to becoming a nutritional medicine practitioner was the day I went to put makeup on. And I went to the mirror and I was so disgusted with myself in such sleep deprivation, so angry with myself on so many levels that I could not look at myself in the mirror. So I would find the corner of the mirror so I could put my mascara on just one eye at a time because I did not want to see myself. Mm. Like, how crazy is that? You know and and subsequently since writing that story so many women go Michelle I cannot believe how much you feel like me it's unbelievable to you know to see your life now and I say I know I've been there and this is what getting caught up in life and children and busy businesses and we forget to take care of ourselves and then when we start and we can come out and see how good that feels and that's a really powerful thing. Um, Rick, I know that we're going to close soon, but I just want to talk about three quick things that sure. I have thought about abundantly around skincare, mm-hmm. which was very timely because I was doing a blog about this today. So I want to talk about three things that we see as nutritionists that people come to us often and ask, Great. they, they ask about, um, Acne and, and, and pimples and things like that. They ask about rosacea and they ask about aging skin, right? And dry skin. So mm-hmm. let's start with, um, aging skin and dry skin and wrinkles. Many, many years ago, my first article that I wrote, actually one of my very first, I talked about sugar consumption and added sugar consumption. And what it does in the body biochemically is create something called ages advanced glycation end products, right? Aptly named ages, right? Mm. So, this actually causes aging to the skin. So, isn't it interesting how added sugar creates this glycation that creates this wrinkling and adds to the aging of the skin, right? So, boom, first thing right there. Move to real whole foods, have natural sugars, not added sugars. We want to talk about aging gracefully. Fantastic. That's one that we can put in our basket, right? The other one is acne, right? So when we look at acne, we look at hormonal acne, or we look at stress acne, we look at um insulin provoked acne. So many so many different reasons. Mm. But all of them will benefit from good gut health or good liver health. So particularly when it's hormonal acne, right? When we get this liver nice and clean by eating real whole foods, lots of brassica vegetables, like your broccoli, like your cauliflower, like your kale, those brassica vegetables, which are natural liver cleansers on a daily basis. We know we are creating the best hormonal balance possible. So clean liver, healthy liver, good hormones, right? And then lastly, rosacea, we see often, right? So there's many factors with rosacea, right? But one of the things that we see is poor gut health. And again, we see the from poor food choices, but also um, hormonal um, from HRT and also um, overabundance of antibiotics. Um, again, all three of them can benefit from real whole food. And it's so linked
0: to the microbiome. It? So it all comes back to our so gut. Linked. Everything comes back, yeah. doesn't
1: it? It's yeah. incredible. So I encourage people think mm. about those brassica vegetables. Think about your probiotic foods, right? Easy to get one of them in a day. Mm. Coconut yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, pickles, pickles, right? Easy. Pick mm. one pick pick one thing in the probiotic family day, right? Have that. Pick one thing in the prebiotic, which is prebiotics are foods that feed the probiotics simple garlic leek onions those are prebiotics so i say to somebody try to pick a prebiotic a probiotic
0: and a brassica every day right. and you're winning okay have a little
1: bit of coffee and I'm wine along think the about way that. yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Well, Michelle, it's been so inspiring to speak to you. Where can our listeners find your books?
1: Oh, great. Okay, you can you can go to our website www a view. Dot com. So a healthy view, not an extreme view, but a healthy mm. view. And you can purchase the books online there or any good bookstore, or Amazon or Booktopia. I always say to people, try to support your local bookstore if possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please, I would love for you to pick up my book. And I love people to give feedback as well. So we've got a, quite a good following on our Facebook and Instagram. And I love hearing from people. There's a whole team of nutritionists at A Healthy View that also give personal consultations consultations around the world so um, so reach out to us for anything fabulous and also there's lots and lots of free advice in our blogs
0: and our recipes so as well to follow a healthy view yeah perfect thanks so much for your thanks, time Michelle. I love talking to you thank you, thank you.